I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who do we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. One of the earliest stories in my network career took place in Petaluma, California, Northern California in Sonoma County. It was the kidnapping of a girl named Polly Class, who was in her own home, in her bedroom, and vanished one night. It was a huge story in that it's so rare that a stranger abduction occurs in this way, and suspicion was cast on Polly's father, who actually ended up being very helpful in the investigation and was cleared almost immediately. But it turned out that a drifter had taken Polly, assaulted her, and killed her. They ultimately found the body, and, and it was a, a big story, and it turned her father into a child safety advocate, one with whom I stayed close with for many years, Mark Class. And so it was during the predator investigations, I thought, when we were looking at locations, it would be good to go back to Sonoma County, California. And we approached the sheriff's department there, and the sheriff's department was all in, wanting to send a message to the community that adults preying on children for sex would not be tolerated in Sonoma County, and specifically in Petaluma. So we rented a beautiful home in that area. We set up our investigation. And the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department did as well. Instead of just being inside the kitchen, which we had done on many previous investigations, we decided to make it look a little different. So we set up on the patio of this home. And we had a bar. And we had a portable hot tub that we brought in. And... The decoys were online talking to adults wanting to have sex with children. And in the course of the investigation surfaces, a 48-year-old doctor named Maurice Wolin. His screen name was Tall Dreamy Doc. And he told the girl with whom he was chatting, who he thought was 14, that his real name was Marco. 
It's amazing to me that somebody who is 48 years old, who's a doctor, who works for a company in San Francisco on the cutting edge of cancer treatment, potential cures, would find himself in this chat room, saying the things he said, doing the things he was doing, and trying to impress a girl he thought was 14 years old. And then ultimately show up at this girl's house on a Saturday afternoon. Dr. Wolin was married, had two children of his own, and listened to the things that he said in his chat. Tall, dreamy Doc says, I'm horny for you. Willow Filipino, who's the decoy, says, that's nice. He says, yeah, are you for me? She says, I'm more sad than horns, but I would be if I had a promise. Wolin says, a promise would make you wet for me? Yeah, and I would be if I had you here too. I would want you to touch yourself for me, says Wolin. I would do that if you were here, yeah. Make yourself wet for me? If you were here, I already would be. Now, at this point, the decoy is obviously open to the idea of a sexual liaison with an older man. But how old exactly is Wolin? At first, he says he's 31, and then he changes that to 28. He tries to impress the 14-year-old, talking about how fast his car is. It only goes 180. It's a convertible. And then the sex chat continues. Wolin says, I would be so hard for you. Going on to say, you might have to suck it to make it real hard. She says, that'd be easy for you. He says, you would? She says, yeah, for you, sure I would. Woolen goes on to get even more explicit. I would lick you at the same time. Decoy says, that would be nice, but now you just tease him. You won't do that. Woolen says, baby, I will, and put my tongue inside you. And almost intimating that he could get in trouble for all this, he says, gee, who is let on what now? Welcome to Conviction Town. Woolen then goes on to ask the girl to masturbate while she's thinking of him. He asks her bra size. And then he makes plans to drive 60 miles from his home in San Francisco to our sting location in Petaluma. Now, you have to imagine this setup here. We're outside, really for the first time in any of the predator investigations, so it's a little bit challenging. It's the same in that we have hidden cameras posted everywhere. The production crew is monitoring, able to move these cameras remotely to get whatever shot we need. I am tucked in behind a fence in the back patio area, along with a cameraman and a sound man. And there isn't a whole lot of room. It's like standing in a closet. And we have a split screen monitor there where I can watch and I can figure out, okay, when am I going to walk out? and have a discussion with this guy. The on-site decoy, posing as the girl Wolin's been talking to online, is back and forth between my location and the bar that's set up. There are frozen margaritas out, not real margaritas, but frozen drinks out on the bar. Wolin arrives, he parks. He walks up the driveway, comes through the garage, and 
into the backyard on the patio. The decoy, the on-site decoy, says, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to grab something. He goes to the bar. She had suggested he pour himself a drink, which he does, but he's anxious. He's nervous. And a big chunk of this frozen drink comes out into the margarita cup, and it spills all over the bar. Now, here's the guy who is okay with having sex with the 14-year-old girl, but he's nervous that he's made a mess of the bar. So immediately he overreacts, and now he tries to figure out, okay, how am I going to clean this up? And he's looking for a towel, which is not right there in the bar. So he heads toward the hot tub that we have set up. And as he comes around the corner, he catches a glimpse of my sound man with a big boom microphone. You've seen these in the show. And freaks out. I see his face. He sees my face. Now, I have no idea whether he knows who I am or what's going on here, but he knows it's not good. So he bolts and he goes back towards the bar and the patio, through the door into the garage, and the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office is waiting for him. Get your hands up! And he freaks out. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. He starts telling the officers, the deputies, that he wasn't going to do anything. He throws his keys down, cell phone down, his glasses come off. He doesn't say anything immediately. He's taken to the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office. And we have a camera there, too, so we can capture what was going on. Because in some cases, it plays out just like this. The potential predator sees me, doesn't want to talk, and leaves. So we have the interview that he does with the detectives. And that's what happened in this case. He starts to act like he's not going to say anything to the detectives when they get back to the sheriff's office. But soon after, he does make a statement. And he basically makes a phone call to his wife saying to bring $30,000, that would be the bail money, to the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department and not his two little girls. Yes, he's got two daughters of his own. And here he was, by all appearances, and the evidence would indicate trying to have sex with a 14-year-old girl. As much as it may have seemed that Dr. Wolin was giving in to the detectives that he had done something wrong, we were just beginning to see the whole story because it turns out that not only was Wolin chatting online with the decoy who he came to see, he was chatting with another young perverted justice decoy at the same time. So he's out there trolling, casting a wide net to meet somebody underage for sex. Now, here's a guy who's married. He's successful. He makes good money. He's got two daughters. And he's online showing off, bragging about how built he is, how tall he is, how handsome he is, how powerful he is, all to impress someone he thinks is 14 years old. What drives a man like that to do something like this? What issues does he have? Theoretically, he could meet anybody he wanted to outside of his marriage. But he chose a 14-year-old girl. Is this a sickness? Is this something that he was just experimenting with? It's wrong. It's illegal. There's no question there. And as we would see, this arrest was really just the beginning 
of the Maurice Roland story. Because as sheepish as he may have seemed when he was talking to detectives, he ended up hiring a very powerful lawyer by the name of Blair Burke, who's represented people like Weinstein and other very powerful media figures. She seems to like the attention, and she certainly did her best to get Woolen out of trouble. There was hearing after hearing. The lawyer would challenge perverted justice, the methods perverted justice decoys use. It would try to put NBC on trial for our methods, all of which held up in court. And the judge saw through this. The prosecutor was skilled from the Sonoma County Prosecutor's Office. Ultimately, after years and what had to be at least six figures in legal fees, Wolin decides to take a plea. It's something called an Alford plea, which means he really doesn't admit guilt to the underlying offense of trying to have sex or solicitation of a minor. It would be a little bit like a no-contest plea, I suppose. But he is sentenced to three years probation, two months in jail, and he has to register as a sex offender for life. So that tells you that the prosecutors in this case weren't going to give everything up just because he had a powerful lawyer and, and this case was dragging on and going through the court system. So he takes that. He's allowed to serve his two-month jail sentence in home confinement. But this takes a heavy toll on his life. Wolin's wife, who is a pediatric oncologist, finally leaves him and takes the children with. He's on his own. And as we follow his activities from then on, you would see him commenting using aliases on different internet discussions about his guilt or innocence. You also see him pop up on different adult dating websites, not targeting children or anything like that as far as we know, but he got a toupee and he was out there trying to set up dates in his new life. Ultimately, he left the company he worked for, the cancer research biotech company. And he did some work for a company in Singapore, coming back ultimately to the United States. We are told by those who follow the case very closely that his wife ultimately took him back. We don't know much about that relationship today or what the relationship with his children is like, but clearly Maurice Wolin paid a high price for his illegal activity. And still, you wonder, why does someone who, on the surface, has it all, risk it all? For what? A liaison with a child, an activity that could alter that child's life forever. It would be interesting to hear from Maurice Wolin what he was thinking and why he did what he did. My sense is he'd probably claim that he was the victim of circumstance, that he was either role-playing or fantasizing, that he really wasn't going to follow through with any of it. I doubt that. When somebody shows up at a house, they're there for a reason. And I think it goes back to this belief that I've had after confronting hundreds of these 
people. And still today, doing the investigations, they have a seat with Chris Hansen investigations, very similar, that they somehow blur the line between fantasy and reality after these online chats. I think it has to do with the, the nature of the internet. People start saying things online that they wouldn't say face-to-face. It becomes something they can justify. And then they have to fulfill this fantasy. And that's when you see them knocking on our door. And still to this day, the excuses are very much the same. I really wasn't going to do anything. I thought it was role-playing. I thought she was older. I was just coming there to check on her because I knew she was in a dangerous situation. I've heard this just weeks ago. The justification is, is one of the interesting elements of this to me. So today, Maurice Wolin, who for a time was suspended from practicing medicine in the state of California, is back as a doctor and working in California, back with his wife, also a physician. And you have to wonder what he thinks about at night. If he wonders why he did what he did or whether or not he justifies it. He gained notoriety, all right, but for all the wrong reasons. And he will always be one of the most memorable predators I've caught. This is Chris Hansen, and this is Predators I've Caught. <laughs> 